What a pleasure it is to be at this joint service with Christ Church and Trinity. I believe the last time I was the preacher here at Christ Church in 2018, and I think it was Mary Lou who preached at our joint service in 2019. My scheduled appearance last year was interrupted by a global pandemic, which I trust is a much better excuse for not preaching than the dog ate my sermon. I'd like to use as my text this evening the reading we heard from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. In particular, I want to use those iconic words that mean so very much to every Christian around the world. Do this in remembrance of me. Let me start by admitting one of my most prominent fears. It's all times. More precisely, my greatest fear is an effect of Alzheimer's, namely losing the ability to remember. When I hear the story of a child who has recently visited an aged parent in a nursing facility and the child is no longer recognized, I wonder, will that be my fate as well? When I have that common experience of having something on the tip of your tongue but still forgetting it, the question, however irrational, crosses my mind as it started. The fact is, memory can both link us to the past or hold us captive to it. I read a story a while back about a parade in Northern Ireland. If there is one place in this world besides the Middle East where people need short memories, it is in that land that has been so tortured by violence. Every summer, the Protestant Orangemen of Northern Ireland parade through a particular Catholic neighborhood to commemorate to commemorate a battle that is now more than 300 years old. Back in the 1600s, Protestant King William III defeated Catholic King James II in a battle on the Boyne River. And this annual march commemorating the victory of Protestant King William III stirs up a great deal of antagonism in the Catholic neighborhood. One group's sacred memories is another group's call to arms. Look at the Middle East, or at Pakistan and India, or many places on the African continent, and see how ancient memories still play havoc with people's lives today. Yet, we have Jesus' words before us. Do this in remembrance of me. Our task as Christians 
is to, with the power of the Holy Spirit, learn to transform, or at the very least, carry our painful memories in light of the love of God. Jesus' charge to remember is not the first time the people of God heard those words. In the Hebrew Scriptures, the institution of the Passover meal is a commemoration of the final meal that the Israelites ate just before they were delivered from their 400 years of slavery in Egypt. The Hebrew people hear this command from God. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. Do you hear the echo? Do this in remembrance. The Hebrew people were commanded by God to remember their deliverance. So for centuries, the Jewish people have celebrated Passover. Memorial language and the charge to remember is not just associated with Passover. It's especially found in context relating to the service of the temple. What is interesting, if you were to look closely at some of these passages, is that it's not just the Israelites who were remembering or called to remember. It was God remembering as well. God often gives them signs that didn't just serve as reminders for them, but for God. For example, after the story of the flood, God says, When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature. Not only are the Hebrew people called to remember God's acts of faithfulness, God calls God's self to remember them as well. The New Testament has its own imperatives to remember, and the greatest of these happen at the Eucharist. The Passover of the Hebrew Scriptures call for an annual remembrance, but in our tradition, as Episcopalian Christians, we remember Jesus' work every week, at least during normal times. As Episcopalians, when we gather corporately, the heart of what we do is to remember. Now, let me take you on just a slight detour into liturgical theology. Our liturgy is like a play. It's a reenactment of the divine drama that is unfolding itself in human history. Like every play, there is a denouement a point in the story in which the strands of the plot are drawn together and matters are explained and resolved. The denouement of our normally weekly play 
happens at a specific point in the Eucharistic prayer. In fancy theological language, a Eucharistic prayer is called an anaphora. And almost all Eucharistic prayers, or anaphoras, contain what is called the anamnesis. And the anamnesis is, is a call to remember, is the opposite of amnesia. The amnesis, for many, is the denouement. And in our liturgy, it happens after the consecration of the words of the institution, do this, do this in memory of me, the equivalent, the Christian equivalent of the Passover meal. Every week, we tell ourselves this story. We remember what God has done throughout history, and specifically in Jesus Christ, as it comes down to those words. Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. So, I've given you a very short and a very broad history of our call to remember the mighty acts of God. But the lingering question is, why? Why are we called to remember? History and remembering is important not only because we may doom ourselves to repeat past mistakes if we don't remember them, but we cannot fully appreciate our present circumstances unless we know our past. You cannot celebrate where we are today if you do not know from whence we have come. You and I cannot praise God within the depths of our being unless we recall how far we have come. Our praise of God means so much more when we remember how long we have waited for answers to our prayers, how often we have cried out from the depths of despair for God to hear us. You and I cannot praise God with all of who we are on Easter unless we remember the events of Holy Week. As the people of God, as the church, we cannot praise God within the depths of our being unless we remember the entire story of our salvation, the good and the bad. The patriarchs and matriarchs of our faith were not perfect people. David was an adulterer and at least an accessory to murder. Moses was an outright murderer. Abraham almost killed his own son, and he offered his wife to another man in order to save his own life. The list goes on and on. Our collective story tells us that no one has a pure heart and that God uses murderers and adulterers or just plain simple folk to accomplish God's purposes. 
I can celebrate that fact because I know, wretched man that I am, just how low God is willing to descend that I might be lifted up. Holy Week, beginning with Palm Sunday, is a profound call to remember. On this Monday, Thursday, when we commemorate the institution of the Lord's Supper in particular, we are called to remember. The difficulty of this week and this night lies in the acts of violence and betrayal that Holy Week recalls. And the church lifts up these events not to glorify violence and suffering, but because the way of the cross, the following of Jesus is not without pain and suffering. And we must never, never forget that. In three days, it will be Easter, the Sunday of the resurrection. That will be our opportunity to celebrate our deliverance from sin, from our failures, and from everything else that binds us. But until then, we must remember, we must recall those events of pain and suffering before we can celebrate our deliverance from them. Amen.